Hi. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Why don't you introduce yourself? My name is Hannah Heilicher. I met Gretchen in college. I was a young, like freshman, sophomore in college, and Gretchen came as a guest speaker. She was the VP of social at Live Nation and Ticketmaster. And a uh, class of probably 150-ish kids uh, learning about entertainment management. So everything from putting on live events to festivals, music, concerts, nonprofit work. Um, so we had guest speakers that would come in all the time. And I was the eager, young college kid in the front row raising my hand and trying to get Gretchen's attention 50,000 times and answering all her questions. Whenever I would go like guest lecture at a university, I was always keeping my eye out for the one kid with the lights on. When you were sitting up front and answer all the questions, I just was like, oh, you know, this young woman has a lot going on. And so I remember giving you my card and I was like, you keep in touch with me and then let's, let's see. Uh, how things unfold. One of the reasons that I wanted to have you on is I share so much about myself. I love doing personal development work, so I'm always having breakthroughs. And I share a lot on social media, but it's from my perspective and I write it the way I want to present it. And you know me very, very well. I think having your perspective and experience combined with that might be interesting. For this episode, I want to talk about my journey from super severe burnout to really finding joy and pleasure in my life and leading with that. I thought we might start with the day and then we can bounce around a little bit. Do you remember mm -hmm. the day that I called you? Like when I had actually hit the full wall and was freaking out about just like, I don't know if I want to do this company anymore. I had talked to Tamika and then I remember I was sitting in the car because I, I was like kind of like driving around aimlessly, like didn't know what I wanted to do with myself in the moment. It was like during an afternoon because I was so kind of in, in like inner turmoil. And I called Tamika and I, Tamika Key um, is one of my bestest of friends. And I remember texting her like, I need a friend. I really hit such a wall. And I had She's been a good friend to have. She's she a good, great friend to have. Yeah, she is. And she dropped everything to talk to me, which I'll never forget. But um, I had I had been burnt out for a really long time before then. And remember, you know, I tried to onboard a couple different executives to take over. And anytime you're trying to have someone take over, it's not less work. It's more work. You know that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it was like me being burnt out and then me trying to train someone to take my job. So it's like my burnout was like increasing by trying to have somebody. And then, you know, a couple people, it just didn't pan out. They weren't the right fit or, you know, it was a combination of things. Part of it being so hard for me to let go of my baby, of the agency to somebody else to the day to day. But, um, I don't know if you remember that I think day. It's a combination of that. I, well, I think it's a combination of, not being able to let go of your baby, which was a lot of it, but also trying to get somebody up to speed that is at your level and in your brain in a way that you can then trust them with your yeah. baby. And there was so that, that in and of itself, that onboarding yeah. is so much work and it there's is. so many nuances and to yeah. learn not only how you do things at a company and like the way things are, but also, you know, all of the nuances between people. I, 
one of Brene's podcasts that they were talking about coming back to the office and, you know, onboarding people to a team when you're all virtual is hard. And there's a lot of nuances when you're not in person and you're not walking around the office and like having sidebar conversations that are hard enough. Well, we've always been digital. And so there was this huge learning curve of like, this is how you work with this person. This is how you work with this person. Here are all these personalities. Here are all these expectations. And also, I don't trust you yet because you don't have any idea what's going on here. Right. Well, partly I think it's interesting because I realized for me that day was pivotal because I remember one of the things I told to you is like, you know, tell, talking to Tamika, Tamika basically being like, first of all, step away from all your devices. Do not talk to anybody right now while you're in this state mm-hmm. of mind. And then also one of the things she was like, if you're, I mean, don't burn your company to the ground today. Cause I really was yes. to the point I wanted to fire every client and every person and just be done with all of it in the instant. Like I felt like I had not one more ounce of what now I know the language around uh, emotional capacity or resiliency left. You know what I mean? I was just like, I'm so depleted. There's nothing left. And one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you about it, and it's really interesting to me that this isn't some big pivotal moment in your mind because, you know, now cut to, I have this leadership program. I talk to leaders about this stuff all the time. One of the reasons I have that program is because being a leader can be such an isolating job. And most people, we, we feel like when we're in something like that, we cannot talk to employees because what usually happens when you talk to an employee, and I remember trying to really sort of prep you for, and obviously, you know, well, I know maybe not everybody else knows. I mean, your title is wellness and productivity manager has been your title for a while. And you're really great at being able to kind of switch hats and be able to, I can tell you, I need you to take off your employee hat right now. And I need this to kind of be about me and not about you or the whatever, you know, so you're able to be really empathetic and listen and not make it about you, which is an enormous skill and, and value that you bring to me and the company. But, um, you know, most leaders don't feel like they can talk to because what happens if, if you tell your team or employees, I'm thinking about totally imploding this whole company because I'm having a total meltdown right now, right? They're going to totally spin out, right? They're going to be like, oh God, you know, I got to go look for another job and what's going to happen and what's the future and really have a, their own emotional experience with it, which is understandable. But when then you're the leader, you're not trying to deal with more people's emotional experience about something that you haven't even made a decision on. You're just having this emotional thing. So totally um, you're the leader and you're allowed to have a meltdown, but starting a panic that then you as the leader have to deal with. So not only are you panicked, but now you you have everybody else panicking. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I think I remember the conversation. I remember you being like, Tamika said, I have to turn off all my devices. I'm not going to, don't worry. But also like, this is where my head is at. And I think being able to hold the space and know for me, like that you weren't going to do something rash, but that you would also reach this max. And of course my like empathetic Enneagram number two personality of the helper was like, I will take all of it on and I will just protect you while you figure out what you want to do. I will try to run this company without all of the knowledge until we can make a plan that is actually a plan. Yeah. Cause I just tried to be like, Oh God, like, okay, we're, we're at burnout. And also like, 
I so mean, are you. Yeah, I don't think you were I mean, to the I, level I was at that moment. I think we've luckily ebbed and flowed a little bit where, you know, we haven't been, it's like, it reminds me, there's a saying about someone said, and I, I'm going to just totally mess up this whole thing. But basically someone said the reason that they stayed married for so long is because neither one of them wanted a divorce at the same time. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like it allowed yeah. us to stay around if, if I was having a meltdown and you weren't that day, but all the interpersonal small- stuff, but when you were overwhelmed and the interpersonal stuff, then I could be there. And when yeah. I was overwhelmed and hit my wall, then I could, you know, almost Always. take off that employee hat and be like, Hey, like I am officially having a hard time. I don't know how to handle this. I need you. And I'm not saying that as your employee, I'm saying that as like a friend and you're my mentor. And like, I have reached the, I don't know how to, I don't know how to deal when yeah. I'm overwhelmed. Yeah. And one of my favorite things about you is how willing you are to be vulnerable. I mean, we could have an entire separate podcast on vulnerability in the workplace. I didn't tell another employee besides you and I made you keep it close to your no. best. Right. But that's our relationship and that's your job ultimately is to keep all those things. Um, and not just for me, but for everybody on the team, right. To hold space and to maintain, um, privacy for people dealing with stuff. Um, yeah. So then but I guess it's a, it's, that is a job, you know, it is a job. that's a job. Like it's a lot of, a lot of emotional energy yeah. that I think. Emotional labor. Yeah. Like a lot. I mean, like we say holding space and I, like I, I hold a lot of space and I pride myself of being able to do that. But I also, the more mature and adult and grown up and experience I've had, the more I recognize like that holding that space is depleting. Like I have to make sure I fill my own cup up because yeah. it's so important that somebody feels like they can be vulnerable and honest with me. And I, you know, it might be that they share something personal going on in their life and nobody else needs to know that. But if you are messaging me and going, why hasn't this person finished this thing? And I'm feeling really frustrated for me as the professional space holder on the team to say, hey, like this person's going through something personal right now and they're really having a hard time. And I think if you can wait to have this conversation until tomorrow or next week, that would be yeah. best. Yeah. And your response is always like, great. Thanks for the heads up. I really appreciate the insight. Yeah. And then I'm like, the, they feel protected and able to do with their things. And you have the context to be able to be the leader. Yeah. But that, that, symbiosis doesn't happen without a safe place to be vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think this is one of the places, you know, there's definitely so many things I can point to and look back on, on like things that I could have done better. And, you know, that's always going to be the case. I think this is one of the places that as a company we did well, by really recognizing the importance of that. So many, you know, I talk to leaders about this all the time. There's this perception that we can't let people have emotions at work because it's like Pandora's box, right? And we've experienced that. But, and that's one of the cool things I've learned, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute, about these this reflective supervision I'm doing now, and you're trained in too, because it's contained. So we know that it's not going to go on and on and on, right? It's like everybody basically has roughly 20 minutes to talk and then there's a facilitator to make sure that's the case. And we don't have hours of dumping of a thing that we can't kind of, you know, keep productivity. Um, 
But I do think that that's something, you know, that we've done well as an organization is to prioritize having a role like yours and that that's time that's well spent and paid for, you know, to have someone there for people to talk through. And obviously that's not your only job. And that's why we tried to um, wellness and productivity because it's in the vein of knowing that with emotional wellness, we have more productivity. Um, so I'll just take this time to say Absolutely. thank you so much for that. You're very good at it. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, so I'd like to just talk to you. So what happened for me, so I had my total hit the absolute wall of burnout, nothing left to give. I had my talk with Tamika. I called you. I remember I was literally sitting in the car in front of my friend Neil's um, restaurant, Bird and Rye in Ashland. Mm -hmm. And I remember just sitting in the car. I had my feet like up in my chair, you know, back and was just like yelling into this car speaker phone for hours. But um, (laughs) one of the things that I did right after that is contact Emily and that's Emily Santiago um, we've been collaborating since then, but, um, so basically she has a company center for cognitive diversity. Her program reduced drastically reduced burnout for 83% of the people that attended it within five months, which that's a giant stat. And she was working with first responders and educators. So a really high stress job. With dealing with a lot of trauma. Um, so anyway, so right after that, I reached out to her and was like, can we go have tea? And I literally was like, tell me, what the fuck is this program? <laughs> You're able to do this. Like, I need to know all about it. And I told her about, you know, my severe burnout, my wall. And, you know, she said, I'm not surprised. There's basically no infrastructure for emotional well-being at work. And there's no st- Companies don't do a lot to help people with stress and especially uh, entrepreneurs, right? There are some real big, uh, I was talking to um, Deborah um, Aker, Josh's sister, Josh Aker. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. She is an executive at Starbucks and I talked to her recently and that company has a ton of like leaders globally and they do a ton for to help leaders with this sort of stuff. So some really big companies create a lot of resources, but most do not. And entrepreneurs and small businesses definitely don't have access to stuff like that. So, and most, most companies. And I think that a lot of companies say that they do, but some of the feedback that I witnessed on some of our first peer conversation calls is that although individuals work at large organizations that say that they have the structure, like, oh, we have this wellness program or, oh, you can take these online yoga classes or whatever, but there's no time. Like Mm. the, the it's, it's there for show, right? Like, look, we're providing all of this stuff and we're such a great company because we, you know, are allowing our employees to do this, but then the actual. You work 80 hours. Yeah. But you need to work 80 hours a week and therefore fit it in after that. Right. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Like it's at an afterthought of like yeah. the first the grind culture, yeah. then the maybe grind you culture. Can take care of yourself. Perfectly stated. So so much of corporate culture and startup culture, especially you know tech, geez, 
has that like 100%. grind mentality. I'm not going to name any names, but there are, you know, people that proliferate that message of that grind crush it culture that is just like, stop, 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 <laughs> stop doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so she was like, I'm not surprised. She's like, I've been wanting to, you know, extend my program into business, but I've got, you know, it was it's during COVID. She's like, I got my hands full with educators and first responders and doctors, you know, of course they're impacted so much. The most severe, one of the most severely impacted groups besides working mothers. Um, anyway, so she wound up telling me in a nutshell that the program is called reflective supervision. It also can be called transformative supervision. I think what I'm doing now is probably a little leaning more into the transformative supervision part, but how that kind of this giant part of what therapy is, doesn't actually require a therapist that they need to go to all the school to be able to deal with, you know, diagnosis and, and I I might not be getting all this right, but in general, like, um, dealing personality disorders and, and major, major stuff. And that a lot of people, you know, some people need that and some, a lot of people need that maybe acutely or for parts of their lives. But what people need more of that doesn't require a therapist and they, that they get from therapists, but there's not enough therapists in the world to actually help people in volume is a dedicated space that, you know, you come and you talk where it is non-judgmental. You're met with emotional regulation and then having that thing happen with your peers where other people understand what you're going through. Being a boss is an inherently thankless job because there's this transactional relationship. I, here's what I need from you. You do this work for me and you get a paycheck, right? Mm -hmm. And you don't get a lot of thank you so much for making sure I get my paycheck, right? When times are tough or thank you so much for providing gold PPO insurance or whatever. There's just, and there's this thing and I did it myself when I had a boss. I, you know, owe all my bosses a huge apology because I always, it's like, you don't know that job if you haven't done that job. Your understanding is from your own perspective. And so it's impossible to know that job until you've been in that job. And we expect our bosses in a lot of ways to be perfect. We have a lot of criticism about we have a lot of thoughts and feedback like, oh, I would do such and such differently. Well, the reality is, you know, you would do such and such differently potentially, but you don't have all the information. So you don't actually know that you're working with limited information, you know? So, um, anyway, to kind of have this experience of a thankless job when it's such a hard job and it's such a giving, you know, when you're trying to be an empathetic leader and you're trying to make space for everybody to be themselves and all that. And then to not kind of get that from anybody else is so exhausting. But to talk about that with other leaders that go every single one of my leaders, right. When I say stuff like that, they're like, Oh my God, I get it. And yes, thank you for saying it, you know, and that's what we do. Right. And just having, and it was so right when they go, Oh yes, I know exactly what you're talking about or being responsible for someone's livelihoods. The pressure of that is so enormous unless you've done it. You really have no concept. It's like, you know, you can't have any concept of being a parent, which I'm not of, you know, if you're not a parent, it's just, it's a whole nother ball game. So 
anyway. And I think uh, when you're an entrepreneur, like being, when you are responsible for your own business or you are a leader where you have invested so much of your own time and energy and money into growing, yeah, like into growing whatever you're growing, right? Whether or not it's a marketing agency or a yoga studio or a multi-million dollar company, like there's this lack of awareness that just comes from the employees not having the bigger picture, right? Like like the employees are living, as Brene Brown in her examples, employees are living on the dance floor and the leaders are up in the balcony. And yeah. like sometimes you need to be able to go up to the balcony and see the full picture of all of the things and all of the responsibilities and if you can grasp that, then I think it makes you a more empathetic employee, which I yeah. think is why our relationship works because I you try have to always to more information than most people for context. Mm-hmm. And and it's not necessarily appropriate to bring every single employee up to the the balcony, but I think yeah. the burnout from leaders is that it feels really isolating and you don't have anybody else to talk to because you can't go to your employees and create panic and be like, I yeah. Want to fire you all? <laughs> you yeah, have to exactly. be the calm, cool, collected one. Everything's gonna be like, fine. Well, everything's yeah, fine. Said everything's not fine. <laughs> <laughs> you said it perfectly. That's the number one word the leaders use back with me is isolating because we feel. And then it's like, it's not that you just it, not only that you can't talk to your employees. The more self aware you are, the less you talk to almost anybody about it because, like, you know, like with my my best friend group, like. Some of my best friends own companies, almost all of them, except for one who's an executive at a big company. And so we all have this kind of stress, but you know, they're my best friends and we don't see each other as much now that we're older and moved around and have all these big lives. So when we see each other, you know, it's like, here's what's going on with work. Here's what's going on with my relationship. Here's what's going on with my personal spiritual stuff. Here's what's going on with my family. You know, it's just like this top line dump. And so, right. And so you don't just like go into all this detail where work. And then we also don't do it like with our partners. Well, first of all, my husband would have had a panic attack. Not really, but he would have been very concerned if I told him I thought that I was going to implode my company until I had a plan. Um, you know, cause it's a, a big source of our income. And so there just wasn't a place. So to find a place and to find a a format. Right. And then, so I was like, Oh my God. Okay. So then I got trained in it and then you got trained in it. I'm curious for you. So do you remember any conversations about me being like, I found this program and I want to do it. I mean, you already already knew Emily, but do you, do you remember anything around that piece? I mean, I remember you being like, I'm going to, I'm going to, do this. And I think it would be really helpful. And I think if you want to be trained in it, like, let me know. And I, I was all in, I mean, I'm the personal development junkie too over here. Yeah. As in addition to working for you, I also teach yoga and have attended a thousand trainings and every single possible realm of things and learned so much about different modalities. And, um, I will share, I don't know if this is where you were going with this question. I do, I did have this really cool light bulb moment when we went, started going through the training with Emily and 
um, we're learning on all these slides and I'm intaking all this information. And I, first of all, thought this is so important right now because we are so low on therapists in our country and there is such a mental health crisis with the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And I am seeing so many of my friends that are, and peers not being able to get the mental health support that they need because even though my, they, my therapist wasn't taking on new clients. And, and then the second fold of this was this, holy shit, I'm doing this. This is, this is like the slide deck is literally defining part of what my role is at MTO. And I remember saying that to Emily and being like, you know, I know a lot about that of this, but I've never had the right vocabulary and terminology to be able to speak to it. You know, like it's not that I'm the team therapist, but I'm the team space holder. And mm -hmm. all of a sudden I recognize that this reflective supervision process of holding the space and allowing people on our teams and you to feel seen and heard and understood. Validated. And so much of that. And, and validated yeah, you were doing so much that. Seen, yeah was like that, I mean, and it, it can just validate overwhelm. And perhaps there's a proactive thing that we can do to help whatever's happening. And But it's not about finding the solution to the problem. It's just that feeling seen and feeling heard, which is- Craze relief. I'm reading, um, yeah. And I'm reading, I'm reading uh, Body Keep Score right now. And yeah. that is such a common theme of- You know, it's a top of, 10 book right know, now, which is so cool that that's- so many it's amazing. people are learning about this right now. I'm reading it with my mother. It's been a fascinating and like really healing experience for me to be reading this with my mom and talking wow. about a lot of difficult things. Cool. I didn't know that. That's really amazing. Cool. Yeah. Good for you. So, I'm proud thanks. of you. And I have a lot of friends. And happy for you. Too, and it's just, yeah. I mean, it's healing. It's, it's a lot. I just want to like props to Emily and the people she's trained that are working with healthcare workers and educators because I mean, I'm just tired from dealing with my personal life and my trauma. I can't, I, well, sometimes I just want to be like, we have like a retreat for the people who have to facilitate the people and the therapists yeah. for the first responders, because those people are holding a lot of space and that's gotta be, I am very appreciative that those people exist in the world. Yeah. <laughs> Totally. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you went there because I was curious what your number one takeaway is from doing that training. And I love that you said it gave you a little bit of kind of language around identity of who you are already in the work that you're doing. Do you have a different mm -hmm. thing that you yeah. would say if I said the number one takeaway or is that it? That's what you shared. No, I think that was, I think that that would be it was like having a definition. I mean, I had a call with Emily after we uh, we do our training and then we host a session as part of the practice, training yeah. and like a practice session. And then after the practice session, you stay on with Emily and you discuss and get feedback and it was great. And I just remember being like, this is what I do at work all day. Like, <laughs> this yeah. is so much of like the, I feel like this is the value I provide to the team. Like I'm a great project One manager of, and yeah. I, yeah, but like, I, I mean, I do other things, but like, this is the thing that I, I feel seen and heard because I know it's making a difference. Yeah. 
So having the language around it and the structure around it to be like, this is, this is what I already do. This is a thing. Yeah. This is what I, yeah, it's a thing. This is actually a legitimate thing. (laughs) It's a job. You can do this. Yeah. It's a job. It's not just emotional labor on top of your job, but it's an important job in itself. Correct. Yeah. And I feel like it's a skill set too, as a yoga teacher that I was, you know, like, I think that's why I have uh, the community and the following and the crew of people that come to my classes that are there because they get that same experience in a microcosm level because yeah. it's a yoga class. But how you engage with people who keep coming back to your class and teaching a class to what they're going through, even though you're not speaking to their stress at work or their trauma or whatever, but being able to facilitate a safe space for people to just talk. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. especially during it's crazy. the political, everything, yeah. the political everything. world was like a, a thing too, I think that like when, when our world pandemic, political state is in an turmoil. unknown place of upheaval and turmoil, having a space to be able to be vulnerable and say, I'm, I am stressed at work and this thing is going on in my personal life. And I also look out into the world and I feel like everything's falling apart yeah. and for other people that are at your same level to say, yeah, me too. This is yep. a lot. Yep. That one thing. Yeah, me too. It's like, who knew that validation? Well, um, I'm curious. So I think we're going to spend a lot of time. I, I want to do a whole session just talking about the peer conversations. That's what we've named our version of transformative supervision, reflective supervision. Um, I'm curious kind of to go from there to, you know, we were running a marketing agency that was, has been growing every single year, had big clients, team growing, lots of people, lots of things happening, some cool, fun projects, some more difficult stuff. Um, it wasn't long. So I was doing that training and you did that training, but what I was doing the training as the, the leader in tandem of just keeping the company going along the path. And then it didn't take long before I started really like shifting all in personally to wanting to do this kind of work kind of only right. And like not caring about marketing anymore. I'm curious what your perception was in general as you saw me more and more just being like, yeah, don't give a shit about that. Want to do this? <laughs> like just started shifting in that direction What? and started what making a lot perception? of decisions. Yeah. Of just like that giant, like, obviously, you know, you've been around for me building this marketing agency for so long. And then to w- witness me just be like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. And I do, I am finding something I really want to do. And I want to move in this direction. And I kept more and more making decisions to move more in that direction and let go of stuff that was in the other direction. I'm just curious because you've been along for that whole journey and continue to be as, you know, this unfolds, which is still unfolding, but yeah, I'm just curious your mm-hmm. perception on that shift. My perception or view or my perception as a whole? <laughs> I uh, Either. Let's do as a whole first okay. and then you can do me. Okay. As a whole... Um, 
And this is, so I guess before we started recording, I was telling Gretchen that I've been really getting into this Enneagram stuff. And so I haven't done a ton of reading on it, but I'm recognizing some of my personality traits and how they come across to people. And I'm a two for people who know what that means, um, which is the helper. So when you were making this shift, I, and I will always be a ride or die. And I think we've, we've had Uh, that. We have that together relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I was watching you be like, I don't want to do this anymore. And I was like, okay, but there's this like marketing agency that you've basically like taught me how to run. So I'm just going to like try to keep all of this going and like, because we have clients and I want to help you. And like, I'm just going to keep this going and this like try to keep the train on the tracks as much as possible to keep doing what we're doing over here so that you can figure out what the fuck you're doing over here. (laughs) And then whenever you say go, I will shift gears. But like, we also have this whole agency over here. And I think, you know, like in the reality of burnout, like, I was also reaching my place of burnout because I was, I mean, I, and I recognize that. I mean, I've taken the last like two weeks, like basically off from being on the computer and on zoom and staring at calendars and doing calls. And it's been so eye opening for me of just how much time I've put in and energy I've put into trying to make this thing work and keep it afloat for you because I care. And so burnt out and so yeah. tired of all of these things. And so when there was a part of me that was like, what the fuck are you doing <laughs> in a positive way? Like, I want you to go do the thing that's going to make you happy. But also there's this whole other thing over here that I'm trying to keep. Well, and I was, and I was so laser focused on that for so long. Right. And I was so clear. That was one of the things for me that was so disorienting during that time, because before I was clear, there's almost never been a time that I wasn't clear in my life. And, you know, I was, when I was in college, I was I think writing- that's a huge thing. I think that's a huge thing. Like that is part of your personality that yeah. is, like that's one of the things I think I was attracted to in you becoming my mentor is you've always been like, what do you want to do? Let's do it. And that growth mindset that we kind of talked about on the phone a couple weeks ago last week. Like that, like, mm. I'm going to do it and I'm going to grow it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a it's, building scaler. Yeah. <laughs> I just know for sure. I don't want to be where we've been. I don't want to do anymore. that. Yeah. I don't want to be there. Right. And I don't know what's next. It felt like, and I described as like turning a massive ship where, you know, all of a sudden you're facing the endless sea and not spotting land. And I was just like, I have to just kind of sit in this place of not knowing. Um, anyway, did you trust that I was going to figure it out? Oh, a hundred percent. You did? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, like you're, you will figure out how to do whatever you put your mind to. Like that's, I was never panicked. I mean, I think that's also because I think because we have the relationship that we have, right? And there was this ability for you to be vulnerable and me to take off the employee hat and put on the friend family hat and and see you where you were at in your process that I, I knew what was going on. I was never panicked. I was never like, everything's going to fall apart. And like, 
if everything falls apart, then you pick up the pieces and you do it over again. And like, that's not that, that is growth and that's experience. And, and it's sometimes it's good for us to fall apart a little bit. Yeah. Then when we pick our pieces back up together, we have a new direction and we know what we want to do and we don't want to do. And you know, like what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Like you learn a lesson and then you take that lesson and it becomes, something else. I mean, I and guess for me, most- I think self for me selfishly, I think too the I think I've learned through working at MTO with you on all the digital marketing stuff just because I'm good at it doesn't mean I enjoy doing it. Mm. And mm-hmm. you know, like there's certain things I I I love being a reflective facilitator and uh, but I also love teaching yoga and learning like that, that was so much more of value, that interpersonal relationship versus yes, I'm really good at project managing this big client project and stepping up to the plate and getting stuff done and getting stuff out the door and having eyes and ears everywhere. And I'm good at it and I find value in being good at it, but does it fill my cup? No. And watching you make the shift of like, I don't really know how it's going to happen, but I'm going to do something that's going to fill my cup. And make me a better person in the world because I can't keep doing what I'm doing. I'm like, well, that's great because I would much rather be, let's nerd out about personal development all day. That sounds fantastic. (laughs) Well, first of all, thank you. And I keep thinking like, where'd you get so, when'd you get so wise? But you've always been wise, I think. Um, You old soul. I think I got wise, you know, like, I don't know, the last 10 years. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I think we're, I think maturity a little bit, but also like when you lose a parent in your 20s and then also have to figure out how to go through your 20s and get a job and function in the world and, and, and learn how to do something and then support yourself. I think you, you start to hmm, gain wisdom. And I think being that like personality of like finding joy in being a reflective person, supervisor or yoga teacher, like the space holder, like you learn wisdom from other people's experiences and their vulnerability. I just want to say you, I think you said the right word, which is reflection, you know, like all personal development requires a reflective process. And when you're the type that really Mm -hmm. takes the time to reflect I think that's where you really gain those insights that then, you know, build on experience to where you have a lot of body of experiences to tap into. And well, we could go on and on because I could get real spiritual on wisdom and where I think it comes from, but um, I'm going to shift gears and I'm going to have a conversation with you about something you don't know yet. (laughs) Oh, sure. Which is, it, I don't think it's going to be a surprise to you, but I think it's really interesting. So for me, it's interesting. I've been, you know, as I've been moving this ship in a different direction and this ship called my life and then the business. But um, one of the things I've just, you know, partly what I've done is done the reflective supervision and training. And that was in order to restore my own health, right? Mental, emotional health, because I was in severe burnout and it was a solution I found. And then I found the solution. You know, it's just like me to be like, oh my gosh, I found the solution. It's 
so incredible and this is the answer to burnout and so now I have to share it with everybody that I love so then of course I start like building the thing again um and then you know I had this I've just done so much soul searching to really understand during all this sitting and listening when I didn't know which direction I'm going about what direction you know one of the things I've shared on social media and you know you know is just how I I've always been so goal oriented and then an achievement focused. And then when I really reflected on like, what do I really want? Cause I don't know if you remember, we tried to do that session with David Frasili, who's been my holistic coach. I know that you love him dearly, but you know, when we try to do it like a goal planning thing, it just didn't work. And I realized, I mean, it did like, it didn't, it didn't go well internally at the company. And, and I think part of it was like, for me, I don't want to do this because it was about growing and scaling this company. And I think inside me, I was like, I don't even want to do this, which was shocking to me. And really a point of like, whoa, what does that mean? So I really started being like, what is it I want to do? And then the answer came to me that I just want to ride my horse, which was a whole nother shocking, crazy level of thing. Cause I'm like, that is not a goal. Is it? Maybe it can be the goal. Um, I kind of started backing into what would that look like? How could I ride my horse every day? And then I found the equine assisted coaching. I, I like the term equine facilitated coaching more because actually the horse does all the work, but um, they're just so amazing sentient beings. They really are, you know, therapists and teachers. Um, anyway, so then I started doing that training and, you know, I've just been doing all this training and learning and growing and I've been doing this shift. But one of the outcomes that I've had, and I'm going to really thank my fairly new friend, um, Dr. Valerie Rain. She has a coined the term patriarchy stress disorder and has a book by that same name, which I highly recommend. Um, she taught me a phrase that she uses all the time that now I've made my mantra of, is it in your pleasure? And I keep asking myself with every choice I'm making, is this in my pleasure? And um, pleasure, I was talking to Alex about because I, I might call this podcast something like work-life pleasure or the pleasure of leading or leading with pleasure, something around that. And I said, when I brought it up to him, I could tell he had a little visceral reaction. I was like, pleasure is kind of a taboo word. He was like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Like pleasure. I mean, there's like a lot of... Uh sexual connotations that can come from like when you think about pleasure. Yeah. But pleasure like, is right. Which is right. Which it's is silly. their taboo I mean, to talk about. Right. But it's pleasure. But eating good food gives me pleasure. Yeah. Right. right. Like and having, having like, like, like that. <laughs> We're both like, it's not just shit. <laughs> Shake our hands. Spirit fingers. But when you have like, a, like when I have a shitty day, my friend, I mean, I had all of those conversations and I was so depleted yesterday and I had to teach a full class and I was so done. And my friend Jonathan was like, we can reschedule dinner. And I was like, no, I want to eat the really good pasta that we've had dinner reservations for for three weeks. Like yes. that is pleasureful. Pleasure. The experience is pleasureful. It's this not conversation. It doesn't. This conversation. Pleasure. Pleasure. Right. Having a really happy, healthy meeting that goes really well. Pleasure. Being creative, innovating, having a breakthrough. Pleasure. Right. It's like, it's this taboo word and it and fuck that 
first of all, you know me. Yeah. I'm always like rebel spirit here. Anytime someone tells me I can't do anything, I'm like, oh, really? Watch me. But um, I love this word pleasure. The the One of the things I've been talking to Valerie about is like, I have a theory that Maslow's hierarchy of needs does not fucking include pleasure and joy. And to me, it's like this top halo circle that's missing from that. Like self-actualization is the very top, right? It's like, you know, you have all these layers of survival and you cannot, you know, people can't choose to live a purpose-filled life so much if they need to worry about eating or having shelter, mm-hmm. right? There's these very layers of basic safety needs. and basic needs that people need. And then once you have all those, really, then you get to the place of being able to be, what do I want to do with my life? And is it fulfilling for me? And, you know, not that I think that people should not be able to have fulfillment when they're still in those survival modes. It's just, you have to prioritize surviving over feeling good, really. Right. Um, I don't know. That's a whole conversation I'd love to have with Valerie. She's a PhD psychologist. So, you know, we have interesting conversations about topics like this, but Um, I think joy and pleasure is beyond that. Right. And it's like, once you, to me, that's the next edge. And when I was talking to Alex about it last night about, you know, focusing on that intersection of work, life and pleasure, it, it's like, yes, that's everything really that I'm talking about. And that's the way that I found my own path is by feeling what doesn't feel good. Do you remember it? Do you remember when all of a sudden I filled up my whole calendar with uh, with work blocks? <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, do you think I?" <laughs> no shit. As the person who manages your calendar, yes, I remember. And then you'd be like, "Oh, I just tell me I want to connect with so and so." I'd be like, "Great. When the hell do you want to do that?" Because it is out of office and out of office. And you're like, "Well, I'm going to write, and then I'm going to ride my horse." And I'm like, "Cool. So I have one hour in the middle of the day, and you also want to do fifty thousand things." Okay. Yeah. So that was which part work of- block can I schedule over? <laughs> So that was part of my moving into pleasure journey of being like, yeah, I don't want to have meetings all the damn time. And yeah. And the thing is when I filled my calendar up so no one could schedule anything, then I got to choose things didn't just show up on my calendar. Right. Cause I would be mad if they did, if they intersect, interfered. Oh, with my and so stuff. by you choosing, you choosing me and Hannah became the buffer to decide what was worthy of your time and not. And then I yes. had to ask you, do you want me to force this into your schedule or no? Yes. But it so was that- a helpful thing because suddenly I learned like, if it was an emergency, right? If somebody like yeah. really needed to connect with you one-on-one, I would make the time and I would let you know. But if even if simple things like a biz dev conversation or a regularly scheduled meeting, like if it you were suddenly not taking those calls as immediately as the request for a meeting came in, it was like, oh, let me find time next week in Gretchen's schedule. And all of a sudden it gave you this breathing room yep. to prioritize where you wanted to be spending your time and energy yep. and with who. So hugely impactful, like that pleasure question has like, it made me change how I was doing my schedule. And I, every week, and I had always been planning, you know, you know, I've shared that week in review and I have that um, process I use and like tool that I use in um, the deep wellbeing studio, which is not really available for the public right now, but is 
available for my leaders um, to play with and look at. But during that reflective process I do once a week, I was always planning my week, but I was planning my week to get things done versus planning my week to have a schedule that felt pleasurable. So that was one of the shifts, Mm -hmm. obviously choosing to ride my horse every day, um, pleasure, uh, choosing to buy my horse pleasure. And then, you know, I just keep making these choices and it's, it is, I'm so happy and I'm so, I love it so much. And then one of the things I was telling Alex with this whole thing, I also love by me choosing that this next part of my 10, 15 years, whatever part of my work career, if I'm focused on pleasure, what, oh my God, what job does that mean for me? You know what I mean? Like these kind of conversations, which to me, yes, 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 yes. And then, yeah, like, I don't know. I'm just so excited about pleasure. No, I mean like time. So two things. One, when you focus on pleasure, I think that really resonates with me right now. You still have not told me what you're. That's what I mean. No, just this focus on looking into pleasure. So this is like, I think that, I think that it's interesting that you bring this up because as you know, like I've kind of been unplugged for the last couple of weeks and I, I'm so much happier. I mean, I think I needed to like completely unplug a little bit, but I don't want to be staring at a computer all day. Yeah. And you never actually did. I think that was a sacrifice you gave to help me and I appreciate it a lot. But you never did. And it, it, it was harder for you, I think, in the beginning because you didn't want to be doing it. And then I think you overcame and, and then you got satisfaction from being good at, you know, really developing good a lot of skills and being good and, you know, being good at something feels I good. I guess that, yeah, and being a value, you know, yeah. I think that the times that I've struggled the most, whether it's our relationship or with a client that we've worked with or whatever is not feeling seen and of value, right? Like I work my butt off because I yeah. want, because I give a shit. Yeah. And I have pulled weekends and long nights and no vacation emails and hours, no vacation in four yeah. years. And by the way, that wasn't my fault as a boss. That was not a rule. She had vacation time, but it was no. hard for you to no. extricate yourself. That's how it was hard yeah. because I was the person that did, I wore many hats, right? Like, mm-hmm. yes, the wellness and productivity manager, but there were, there were so many hats and the timing worked out that it was always that whoever else was supposed to be the leader wasn't quite a leader enough that I and you trusted them to yeah. have things covered while I was gone. And then yeah. it was also a global pandemic, which really yeah. screwed everything up. Yeah. But there's been so much pleasure in my daily life in doing what you did basically for the last two weeks, which is like, I get up whenever I want. Like mm-hmm. it has set an alarm, but like I get up at eight 30 and I'm not rolling over at 7 AM and checking Slack in my emails to make right. sure the world is not falling apart before I make my coffee yeah. and I make my coffee and I let the dogs out and I sit on my couch and meditate in the sunbeam. And then I have, what do I need to do today? Oh, I'll check my email, but like nothing's falling apart. So I'm right. going to take the dogs on a walk and I'm going to revel in this conversation that I'm sharing or spending three hours on the phone with my mother talking about <laughs> Vessel Vanderkorst's book. Like yeah. there's so much, there's so much pleasure in having this lifestyle that I want and having yeah. the opportunity to be able to create that daily routine. And sure, there's it's nice to have structure and know when you were 
expected to be on and not expected to be on. But even that shift of, you know, you sent me a Slack message the other day and I had this visceral reaction of like, oh, shit, I fucked that up. And then I was like, no, no, I did not. And it's fine. And you can finish making lunch and eating lunch before you respond because yep. nothing is falling apart. And having to like reteach my brain that it's fine. Yep. And that all, you're, you know, if it was important, you would have text or put call three explanation marks. All right. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what I do. But I think that. And I hold on. Let me just pause there's... for a second because I try to do stuff too, because, you know, text format in general, people, you know, can read tone and they, they put their own lens through it. And then also, I'm a very direct the person. The more burnt out you are, the, the more, more story, burnt out you are, the and, more personally yeah. you take things when you're direct. Yes. And I communicate my, very that directly. That should be my job title. It's like the um, re. You, there's so many times it's like where the you rewording. Would send a message. <laughs> what uh-huh. she meant, like, what she okay. meant was what she meant was. Um, but she's yeah, frustrated. I'm, but I'm, I'm so direct, and I have an intensity in general that's that same like fire thing that allows me to do so much. And on the flip side of that, people are like, "Oh, you burned me." You know, I'm just like, I just said something. It was not, I'm not mad. But then I gave the team this whole thing. Like you're not, if I don't use three exclamation points, you're not in trouble. (laughs) So you can just know, like, no matter how intense it feels on your end, I'm not mad. You know, my biggest thing. No, really the story there that's worth saying is you had sent a message in Slack to, it was like a group message between me and you and Kat, maybe somebody else. And it was like 8.30 at night. And I knew you were stressed. You were, I think you were traveling and you had something going on and personally, and you were frustrated about something. And I called Kat have, like crying and I was so stressed out that you were stressed and that you were angry with me. And Kat was like, this is a bunch of bullshit. We're going to fucking call her. And so we three way called you and you're all like, is this important? Like, I'm so tired. Like I'm in this hotel room. Like what? And Kat was like, Hannah's really upset that you are upset that you are mad. And you were like, okay, did I put three explanation marks? And we like came up with this plan that unless yeah. there's three explanation marks in Slack that you wouldn't, you were not actually mad. Yeah. And that sometimes. Right. We came up with it. Right. 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 Yeah. And, 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 that was, and I mean, frustrated. That was part of it. It's like and frustration is okay, <laughs> but, but it is important, you know, and it's hard, this boss dynamic. And I remember like, with a boss that literally I felt like every time an email came in, I was like, ah, <laughs> you know, like, and there is this natural sort of thing. And we have to really work through that dynamic. And for my conscious leaders, you know, we just have to be aware that automatically there's a pressure sense from a boss that we have to really work to relieve. So anyway, but I, I want to shift back into 100%. what you were talking about and just like the pleasure that you're experiencing from being able to have your own schedule and be able to have the lifestyle that's healthy and be able to really define that. I mean, it's, it's just, I think that, and I've been able to lean into that more as you've been, you know, making this own shift and doing this. And I've had the flexibility to be able to take a few weeks to lean into without even having this conversation really asking myself, right? Like I'm your ride or die, but like, what do I actually want to do? Does it give me pleasure to manage these things or deal with this thing? And just because I'm good at it doesn't mean that it is giving me pleasure and joy and 
fulfillment. And then the other thing that I just really wanted to share is when you were saying all this and you're talking about pleasure and then Alex had this like taboo reaction. And maybe this is a little bit from like the embodied work we've done before with past mm-hmm. client. It, it, yes, it's taboo, but the word pleasure is an embodied word. When you say pleasure mm-hmm. or that is pleasurable, you feel that like mm-hmm. if you say it out loud for the like, one million people that are listening to this podcast right now. <laughs> but say out loud, like, I feel pleasure. Like, it gives it, like, if it is taboo because it's a word that we associate perhaps with sexual pleasure or embodiment. And embodiment and being embodied is not something Western culture prioritizes or finds as normal, right? Mm-hmm. We go to yoga and we have a yoga practice to feel embodied your work with the horses, you have to be embodied in order to be there and present with the horse. That is pleasure Mm -hmm. because it's whatever that inner tingle that you get when you say the word pleasure, like, what is that? For me, it's really good food, right? It's Mm -hmm. really good conversation. It's being outside in the sunshine. It's being present in my body and the feelings that I'm having. Mm -hmm. So so you like this new direction? Pleasure equals embodiment. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I think it's great. Cool. So. Because the more you say, I mean, like it does sound taboo, but the more you say it, it's more in alignment with like it's an easy word or mantra or sankalpa to like call in what exactly in that moment do you need in order yes. to feel grounded, present, whatever. Yes, 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 yes. And the other thing too, you know, and I'm doing this practice with my executive coaching program now, and I, I I put a little bit into the reflective supervision, although, you know, I'm really working hard to not coach them, but to really just listen and validate and facilitate. But this exercise of, you know, when people are confronting this decision-making about which direction would I do, what should I do about this, you know, questions, right? Which is usually where people want to be coached is to help them make choices, to like be able to kind of close your eyes and imagine, well, let's imagine one option. How does that feel in your body? Now let's imagine the second option. How does that feel in your body? And A hundred percent of the time, one feels good and one feels like, for me, I call it like friction. You know what I mean? Like static inside me. I'm like, oh, anxiety, whatever. I'm like, oh, that does not feel good. And one's like, oh, like spaciousness, right? And like fluidity, like all this like opening of like kind of being on your path or not kind of, but being on your path, like versus resistance, so anyway, I think, is it in your pleasure? Well, and I think that's something that you, in all of the years that we have worked together, right? Like I, and I've been, I go to a lot of therapy and I've worked really hard to like work through a lot of my stuff. But when we first started working together, I would get so overwhelmed. My anxiety, my perfectionism, I was so up, like my energy was up high and so scattered that you would have to kind of talk me back down to a place where I could re-regulate and then make a plan of action. Right. And I've learned over the years, like that there is, and, and then I recognized that I was doing that for people on the team. 
right? Mm -hmm. That they come in up high and everything's overwhelming. And it's like, okay, it's not necessarily finding the solution that's going to solve all of the overwhelm, but let's take the energy back to a place where you can sit and feel. Mm -hmm. And then maybe the pleasure answer is like, you can just bite off this one chunk of this project that needs to be due by the end of the day. Mm-hmm. But let's focus our energy on the doable thing and not put all of this energy into the greater world of overwhelm because mm-hmm. it's so easy to go there. But we need Love it. someone, yeah. something, a conversation, a practice to bring us back down to be grounded. So a hundred percent. And so my belief is that Pleasure does not need to be separate from work and that pleasure is the extension of a next step of emotional well-being. And how do we bring these things together? Pleasure, work, and life for more fulfilled life. That feels good because, you know, I think that is ultimately at the underpinning of what's happening in the world with this great resignation and COVID, but all of us being like, this does not feel good anymore. I don't want to, I don't, 100%. I don't want to not feel good anymore. I want to feel good. And so anyway, um, I and think, I think there's, I think it's worth a, like a caveat to say in here yep. that sometimes you have to do a job and your job sucks and the job doesn't bring you joy and it doesn't bring you pleasure because it's a job and, and that happens. And I think that what's important is, you know, if you have a job that doesn't necessarily you don't, you, you can't do what you and I are talking about doing where it's like, I'm just going to block out my schedule and ride my horse and go yep. to yoga and like take walks with my dogs. Like that's not a feasible thing for a lot of people out there. And I think that's valid to recognize that privilege. But right. when you are recognizing that work is not bringing you pleasure, then it is a priority to choose joy and pleasure everywhere else you can. So I want to go to work from blah to blah, yeah. like that, that, you know, that you have a source of ple- like whatever it is, whatever you're doing to find pleasure and joy in your life outside of the job. I have one thing to add and I want to end on that note. No, I, I, I okay. hear you. And I think there's an important thing to say. I also want to, and anybody listening can do this, take a moment can you imagine a time where you felt pleasure? Can you remember a time, Hannah? Yeah. Okay. Now. Like last rem- night at dinner when I was eating that amazing pasta at Bosa. Yep. yep. So remember <laughs> that. And then notice when you remember it, you feel it in your body. You can actually experience pleasure from only remembering. So you can actually have that in whatever job you're doing, even during the shitty stuff. Very cool. Very cool. We can play with that to have pleasure, even when, you know, I got to go do a bunch of government paperwork. So I'm going to take my own advice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, First of all, okay. So, you know, we're going to spend, talk so much more about all these topics and pleasure and vulnerability and leadership and, all the dynamics in between. Um, someday we're going to have a conversation about hard conversations, which, you know, you were instrumental in helping me realize I was terrible at and learn more skills around that. It's going to be uh, a great episode. It's going to be a great episode. I'm going to do the hand signal. 
Um, our hand signals are STFU. Um, okay, yeah, and you just need to be able to mute you. Um, just kidding. Um, <laughs> so I just want to say thank you for joining me for us to talk about this journey. And thank you for being on this journey and being so supportive. And I love this next whatever's going to happen between us. And I love this new format for us. So um, thank you to anybody who especially spent the time listening for this long. I didn't expect it to be this long, but it was a great conversation for me. And so I wanted to keep having it. It Uh, Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Look forward to more. See you soon. Okay.